Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Game Audio Hour, a fortnightly podcast where we discuss all things game audio, from creative ideas to the latest techniques, project experiences to audio secrets. Here is where you'll find in-depth coverage and opinions related to game audio. This is episode 215. I am Vincent Diamante. Over there are a bunch of other people too. Alex, how are you doing? I am very well. Thanks, Vince. Actually, I'm, I'm especially well uh, tonight because we're recording this uh, it's nighttime here. And uh, I've actually just finished my final day for the year. So uh, yes, from, from this point onward, I, I mean, I don't count this as work. This, is, this isn't work. This is uh, just chatting with some old friends about uh, some fun stuff. So uh, from this point onward, I am officially on holiday. So it's a good feeling. Mm, that is an excellent feeling. I'm not quite there yet. I actually still have a, a bit more work to do right after this recording. Um, hopefully that's not what you have to deal with, Mike, but how are you doing today? I'm doing well. And uh, like you, I'm not quite in holiday mode yet, but I've been trying to strategically defer some work so that it starts in January so I don't have to bridge the holiday gap with deadlines. And so far, I've been successful. So I, I anticipate anticipate being relaxed in about a week or so. Oh, that's really cool. That will be really great timing considering Christmas is next week and then New Year's right after that. Ooh, th this means that this is actually probably going to be the last episode of the Game Audio Hour we record and release before 2022 hits. So I think we should go ahead and do what you suggested, Alex, and actually talk about giving out some awards, some Game Audio Hour gear awards, the Gagas. The Gagas, indeed. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's that time of year, isn't it? Like every, everybody is doing a, you know, top five plugins of the year, top five, you know, VSTs of the year, top five uh, haircuts. And pants and and pastimes during the pandemic lockdowns of the year and all that kind of stuff. So I figured, why not? Let's let's uh, jump on the top. It's not exactly top five actually, but uh, we'll we'll jump on the old. Uh, let's make a list for some clickbait bandwagon and uh, have some fun. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, so you suggested some categories. I think they're really cool. It was actually really nice to reflect on these. All right, so we got actually six categories. Most used effect plugin in 2021. Also in 2021, most used instrument library, followed by best new gear or new plugin or new library discovery. And then the least used expensive purchase, not exactly a great award there. Um, <laughs> and then also the most used cheap purchase of 2021. And then you also finish this up here with OMG, who cares about the year? This is awesome. Any year, year of 2021 or of, of whatever, really. So um, <laughs> so the free-for-all category there, that, that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys say about all of this. It's worth noting that these are not really traditional awards and that they're not meant to bestow a universal honor. Obviously, if we're talking about the least expensive, least used expensive purchased item, that's our personal, our personal account, rather than us trying to take a survey of the entire industry and 
you know, coming up with the answer. So these are kind of our, this is almost more of a survey than a, than a proper award ceremony. Yeah. Wait, 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 speak for yourself. What? I mean, I've, <laughs> what are you got, about, Mike? <laughs> I've got some physical awards here that I am willing to send to any manufacturer or distributor of these products. Um, you know, assuming they're willing to send me a self-addressed stamped envelope. And That's right. Um, and, and this, yeah. I mean, let, let, let's be real here. I mean, you know, what, what we say is gospel basically, right, Mike? I mean, it, you know, it's not personal opinion. This is just fact. It's just straight up fact. I guess one so, of the uh, advantages of our new audio-only format is there's no way to disprove Vince's claim <laughs> that he's got a stack of award trophies on his desk. So maybe we <laughs> should go with that. Okay, well, let's kick it off, shall we? So um, who's going to start with number one, most used effect plugin of 2021? I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. What, should we start with you, Mike? My answer could not be more pedestrian and boring. But uh, after some long soul searching, uh, I realized that probably the most used effect plugin for me this year is FabFilter C2 Compressor. And uh, mm. that's kind of uh, my, my go-to bread and butter compressor except, Alex, uh, for occasions where I really want kind of an opto uh, compressing sound, in which case I fall back to uh, your beloved BX opto. Mm. But for most purposes, uh, what I like about this compressor is it gives you so much information. It has a couple of different interface modes. You can you can look at uh, kind of a, a running graph showing the dynamic reduction. You can compress the interface. You can listen to the part of the signal that's being affected by compression, which is actually really handy. Um, it's just very utilitarian, and it's not too hard on the eyes. And I use it all the time. So that's my boring answer. Yeah, that's a, that's not a boring answer at all, actually. The the FabFilter stuff is obviously, over the past, what, like three or four years, it's just more and more people have been you know, praising the excellent sound and great usability and um, uh, reliability of the FabFilter stuff. I don't know if you both know of the software manufacturer DMG Audio. Mm -hmm. uh, they they do, um, in a similar vein to FabFilter, they do these kinds of mixing and mastering tools. And I was always more of a user of their things, especially for EQ. And I picked up Pro-Q3, which I think was released last year, I guess, or maybe the year before. Um, uh, and then since then have been sort of gradually building up my own collection of FabFilter stuff. I don't actually have the the um the compressor because you know I'm I'm <laughs> I'm fairly uh fairly fairly particular about compressors as you uh, as you both know. Um not to say that there's anything not to like about uh, uh proceeds just that uh, I've got so many other choices. So I have a serious problem with collecting <laughs> compressor com collecting compressor plugins for their character and um i think the reason that i personally don't have pro c yet is because obviously the the nature of it it's not targeting a certain type of character in particular you know the excellent sort of general purpose uh compressor tool uh, as opposed to a character compressor so that's the reason why i haven't yet uh picked that one up but um yeah not a boring answer at all i would say i was worried I, I also agree with Alex. I'm kind of in a similar boat where I have a lot of other compressors that I use, but I'm so always tempted to get on the Fab Filter bandwagon every time I see someone mention how cool or useful or easy it was to use. I have some things that are kind of like it. And actually, whenever I'm using it with other people, like, for example, 
uh, isotope neutron. I think most people can agree that neutron was kind of a reaction to some of the things that FabFilter does. Um, and when I was showing, uh, let's see, I actually had some colleagues over and we were sort of jointly working on a project together. And he remarked that, oh, oh yeah, Neutron seems pretty cool. It just seems like uh, not quite as good as how FabFilter does it. It's not quite as fast, not quite as nimble. <laughs> so hearing remarks like that really tempts me. I, can, I definitely acknowledge that FabFilter does very, very good stuff, even though I don't uh, personally use all the stuff that they do. What about you, Vince? What's uh, what's your uh, pick for most used effect plugin of 2021? Mm. So um, this one is an interesting one because I'm pretty sure actually that I was doing mostly sound design stuff. Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of stuff with my music projects where I'm trying to limit how many effects that I'm actually dealing with. And in this particular year, I ended up doing a lot of sound design. And the thing that I ended up using a lot is this thing called Object Delay, which is a sort of creative delay plugin made by AAS. Ah. Um, and they are an interesting company because uh, they do all the modeling stuff. Uh, the best way that I can describe Object Delay is it's like a combination of a traditional delay plugin with Chromaphone. And Chromaphone oh, wow. is that thing that models different percussion instruments. And you can create different percussion instruments by attaching, you know, different diaphragms to different resonance chambers and applying impacts in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. It's a really interesting percussion instrument. And object delay basically takes that and says, well, what if you can use that as a way to project out different other sound sources um, and create creative delays? Uh, so I ended up using this a lot for sound design. I think it's really fantastic. Um, I actually did not hear that much about it. I just know about AES through reputation and my experience with things like uh, Strum and um, Chromaphone. And I decided to take a chance on this object delay, which was very cheap. I think it was 20 bucks. And I thought, oh, okay, why not just use this? Um, and it's excellent. It's really fun to play with. It's just such a creative tool. It's not a traditional delay plugin. It is a great creative sound design tool. And I've been using it a whole lot this year. Have That's you guys cool. heard of this particular tool, uh, this particular plugin? I have not. I have not. Yeah, I have not actually. I, I know AAS, of course, very well because for all the titles that you mentioned, uh, specifically Chromaphone 3, which I think was released. That might have actually been the beginning of this year, I think, Chromophone 3. Um, yeah, around then, yeah. Yeah, and that's, um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's very intriguing because as, just as exactly as you said, when you say AAS, it, you tend to think of those physical modeling um, uh, technologies that they have. They also have that really good um, electric piano, the Lounge Lizard, I think. There's another, I can't remember the name of it, there's another... Analog yeah, synthesizer, yeah, yeah. like well, uh, like that. I mean, the whole. Th I remember seeing them many years ago with all about the Tasman, or right, right. Yeah, so it's so they make very cool stuff, but they're definitely not what you would call one of those. Oh, triple A, top tier. Everyone knows these guys for their instruments um, because they just do things in a weird way. Like the whole 
physical modeling thing is hasn't really taken off uh, the way that I think many people were hoping it would starting a decade or so ago. Yeah, that's all. I've always felt that's a little bit of a shame. Do you remember um, the Yamaha? You'll have to help me here. It's the Yamaha VL, the VL series. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a VL seventy M, and it's a wow. half rack uh, monophonic physical modeling synth that sounds fantastic. And I use it yeah. with my Ewe every now and then. It's huh. pretty great. Um, I think you might have heard a little bit of it on. Um, that project that we did together that hopefully we can talk about a little bit more soon. Yeah, the um, um, what's the project that you're mentioning is Space Folk City, which was the uh, the game that my studio released uh, a few months ago, which we will talk about next year. We're actually uh, gearing up to release the soundtrack in two volumes, uh, and we'll be doing that hopefully early next year, all being well. And at that point, um, yeah, it will be great to talk more about the soundtrack and the sound design and all of that, um, or on this podcast if. People do not mind humoring us the opportunity. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? Because you, you think of AAS, they, you don't really think of them in terms of a, an effect, effect company, but it makes complete sense, really. You know, the, and uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, highly recommended. What about you, Alex? Right. Well, um, no surprises here. Uh, my... Um, uh, most used effect plugin of 2021 was a vintage compressor plugin. Hey, <laughs> everybody walks out of the room. <laughs> so my most used effect plugin in 2021 was the uh, Neold V76U73 from Plugin Alliance. Mm. Um, this guy, this guy. I even managed to convert Mike on this one. Um, so. What is it? Well, it is basically a combination. It's a, a tube preamp compressor, um, which is modeling uh, a tube device from the 1950s. And it's, it models the Telefunken V76 together with the Telefunken U73 compressor limiter. And it it's one of those things that I think because primarily the work that I do obviously is with, you know, um, I, I don't do much acoustic work, I don't do much uh, recording work. I, I primarily deal with um, uh, synths and artificial sound sources. So one of the things that this um, compressor and preamp does is it, it has a very, very distinct dark sound to it. Whether or not you add the filters on or not, um, I tend to use it with the filters, but it tends to darken things in a really lovely way. And the preamp section has a filter that when you switch it on, the, the upper band, uh, as in the um, um, three kilohertz, that's the number, three kilohertz is the um, low pass filter. And then the high pass filter is basically 80 hertz or uh, like a, a, sh a steeper slope at 80 plus 300 hertz. So it, it narrows in the range on the bottom end, on the top end quite drastically. And somehow with synthesizers and synths and artificial and like, you know, sample mangling and stuff like that, it just gives it this really nice, thick, warm sound. It's very balanced and very um, full. And then the compressor in the thing is, is it's just fantastic. It, it just, it's one of those things that just always works. You, know, you just put it there. I usually just run it with a very, very quick release 
it do, it doesn't allow you any control over the attack time. So it's just I just put a compressor, quick release, and it's just perfect straight away. It's amazing. And if you drive the preamp, you get a beautiful um, level of saturation again, which is very thick and warm. And I've, this year, I, I just especially on the uh, aforementioned Space Folk City soundtrack, I just couldn't get enough of it. Like every single time, it's like, hmm, which one of my countless compressor plugins should I choose for this application? And it's, it, it, it always just comes down to, yep, it's back to the V76 U73 once again. It just sounds great. Alex, do you find yourself using it on individual instruments more or on the mix bus? Uh, always individual instruments. I have used it on the mix bus a few times, but I think because I'm using it so much on a track-by-track basis, you know, on the overall mix bus, I've I've not really found that much need for it there. Um, and also I've got, frankly, I've got other compressors that do a better job at the, the sort of two bus compression, the gluing kind of thing. This is more of a um, kind of a sound sculpting tool than a mastering tool. So it's it's just fantastic. So yeah, it's, it's definitely um, one that I can recommend from Plugin Alliance. And that is my most used effect of 2021. This looks very cool. I, I haven't messed with this, um, despite the fact that, you know, Plugin Alliance does have that thing where you can uh, try all their stuff for about two weeks before it really forces you to um, have a license properly installed. But, huh, yeah, this looks very cool. Uh, when did you get this, by the way? Was it towards the beginning of the year or? I don't remember. I, th- I think I got it as soon as it came out. I just sort of, ah. Oh. Vintage compressor plugin. How nice. I might demo that. Okay, I'm buying it. <laughs> Alex's enthusiasm spilled over, and I got it as well. And I don't use it as often as he does, but I do find it imparts a kind of silky smoothness, um, a rounded quality. And that's without the very aggressive uh, filters, and it, it is a nice sound. Okay, well, let's roll on to um, most used instrument or library in 2021. So, um, I think we should start with Mike again. My, I once again have a very pedestrian and uninspiring and non-cutting edge answer is that uh, I keep going back to Spitfire's Symphonic Library, Symphonic Orchestra Library. That's the mm. old school one, which itself was a repackaging of earlier libraries. I've not taken to the general purpose libraries they have released since then. I'm not a fan of the sound of the, the BBC Orchestra and um, the various other stuff that uh, that they've they've released in more modern times, it continues to be my bread and butter. It subverted the Hollywood Library as kind of my go-to orchestra, and uh, I just get tremendous mileage out of it. It's not an exciting answer, but that's been my workhorse this year. Mm, I, I definitely understand. Yeah, you say that it's not very exciting, but I think it's a, once again it's an excellent choice. And also, I think you know because your wheelhouse uh, is basically orchestral libraries. I think the fact that you, if that if it's something by Spitfire and it's that one product that you've used the most, I think that speaks very very highly of uh, of the quality of that. And there's there's quite a lot of choice now. You know, if if you wanted to, you have the budget and you were wanting to buy an orchestral library, there's quite a lot of really really top notch choices out there now. So. Yeah, that's a, a good recommendation for anybody, I think, who's looking for an orchestra library. What's really rare these days, 
seemingly rare is the attention to detail that I feel like the older libraries tended to have, where there were lots of articulations, lots of variations, and you feel like whatever kind of orchestral line you're writing, you can kind of piece it together out of the various articulations you get. And this is super important for strings, which have so many different ways of phrasing themselves. And you know, even the stuff that Spitfire has released more recently it's almost like they they want to release more libraries rather than having richer libraries. So I really appreciate the uh, the in depth detail that went into this particular or family of libraries. Really, mm. how about, how about you, Vince? Um, so um, I have a lot of instruments, and it's funny. I'm going to mention something that is now Im- almost impossible to buy these days and that is good old wallander um the wallander uh wind and brass instruments have been around for more than a decade and i still use it i still think it actually sounds really fantastic because it is so nimble um and i can play it with an iwi and it just responds very quickly to what i want to do uh and it's really sad that at the end of last year, it is just not possible to actually purchase it directly. It is still possible to buy it through things like um, Best Services, uh, where you can still buy the cut-down version of this thing called Weavy Band, which has basically uh, a good collection of both the wind and brass instruments. Uh, but not everything, which was what was available on the big pro wind and brass collections. But um, I still love this sound. Uh, it's not quite physical modeling. It's kind of more like additive synthesis. And it always sounded kind of crap if you don't have any sort of good spatialization on it. But I actually have some pretty cool plugins for that, most notably Vienna Mir, which is a, a really good uh, thing for putting any instrument in a in a room. And once you put that on there, it just sings. I absolutely love this instrument. And I keep on recommending it to people, even though you can't really buy it, mostly to get people into this idea of uh, huge, big sample libraries are not necessarily the thing that you need to look out for. Uh, sometimes it is, in fact, a pairing of your particular workflow or your particular skill set with the instrument. So, um, Wallander, I just wanted to talk about this a little bit. Now, if I rem- remember correctly, the Wallander, the main plugin, has its own spatialization where you've got a, a visual of any number of different spaces and you physically, you see kind of a graphic representation of a theater or a studio and you drag the instruments in various places on that uh, virtual yep. space. Is that right? It does have that. Although I actually just put it on the anechoic chamber and it works fine. Uh, I spatialize them very similarly to the physical modeling instruments that I have, things like sample modeling and SWAM. Uh, where the absolute raw sound is totally, utterly synthetic. But again, you put some other spatialization on it, something like Mirror, for example, and it sounds great. Makes sense that if you're Mirror-based, you want to incorporate Wallander into your 
your your general purpose tool where you're using all where you're doing all your spatialization. But it's also worth noting that if you don't have mirror, you can still use the tools that are well were included with Wallander um, to do something similar. And you really have a lot of flexibility. And you know you want to feel like um, they're at the back of the orchestra or they're behind you for some weird reason. You can you can do all of that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mentioned Mirror, but of course there are some other different options that are out there, um, especially some very affordable ones, things like VSS, uh, was it Virtual Soundstage, um, as well as Inspirata. Uh, those are really quite affordable compared to Mirror, which can really balloon up in size and price because they sell the, the Mirror engine and the spaces separately. So you spend a couple hundred bucks on Mir, and then you have to spend a couple hundred dollars more on all of these different studios that Vienna has modeled over the years. Uh, so the price can go up really high, but there are a lot of other cool tools out there that myself and other composers have used effectively, VSS and Inspirata on, on the lower end. And even their cheap versions, their light versions of those plugins, which are under a hundred bucks, are really quite good. Um, and I think those things really give life to some of the older experiments with synthesized sound and modeled sounds. Uh, that VL70 that I mentioned earlier, uh, putting the synthetic, well, the physical modeled flute from this outboard box through Vienna Mir really gives you a flute sound that uh, rivals the stuff that is being driven by gigs and gigs of samples. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. Wallander. I, I like it. Sorry you can't really get it these days. So maybe we should move on to uh, Alex. What, what's your most used library? Um, my most used library, uh, well, most used instrument is, um, no surprises here, it's Yuhi Bazil, the modular FM synthesizer from Yuhi. Um, I think it's probably my most used instrument from last year as well, and probably it will be next year as well. Um, it's just got a fantastic sound, so fun to use. It's a, it's modular, which means it can get a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, complex sometimes with cables all over the place. But um, it's yeah, it's it's one of those situations where I, I've just used it so much that I know exactly how to get the kind of sound that I'm thinking uh, very very quickly with it. Um, I did want to just bring here uh, a an honorable mention. Uh, it's not really my most used uh, instrument for 2021 because uh, I only got it like about I only got it this Black Friday actually. But it's so good, and I've been using it pretty much ever since I got it. And this one is going to surprise both of you because I'm not usually one for sample libraries, but it's actually the Key Suite Electric from UVI which is their bundle package of, I don't know, would it be like 30 or 40 types of electric keyboard? So it has, I mean, we're talking Tyne-based, Reed-based, electroacoustic, electric pianos, clavinets. Uh, so you've got, you know, Rhodes pianos, you've got um, early uh, sort of keyboard-based, uh, early synthesizers trying to be like keyboards. Uh, you've got electroacoustic stuff. Um, you've got the the. I don't know if you are familiar, but like the uh, Rhodes had a range of a specific bass keyboards. 
So it'll be like a, a really small version of a Rhodes keyboard that's like two octaves, just specifically for playing bass tones or organ players. Um, clavinets, Wurlitzers. The original reason that I got it is because it had a um, a really good model of the Yamaha CP70 stage piano. Is it CP or C CM70? It's uh, that the right. Yeah, I know what you mean. That stage piano. It's yeah, it's it's very ABBA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of ABBA stuff. It's it's one of the early Yamaha performance stage keyboards from the I, I guess the seventies. I suppose it's sort of an electroacoustic um, electric keyboard, but with a mechanical acoustic action to it. And um, this this library has just been fantastic. Like it's just so many iconic sounds in there from um you know from the history of the electric keyboard outside of synthesizers so yeah i wanted to just put a mention in here because obviously i i'm a synthesizer person but um on the on the dark side of that of course is the uh electric the world of electric keyboards and electric <laughs> pianos and this library is just magnificent so yeah i uh, i can see that it's probably going to be my most used library for next year at least so there you go We'll have to check in with you in a year to see if that prediction held true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's roll on. Uh, number three. Best new gear plugin library discovery for 2021. I guess that I, I guess I could argue that that was just the UVI key suite electric that I just mentioned, but I, I have something else. But before I go, let's let's start again with Mike. Now, are we requiring that this thing have been released? this year or is it just something that's new to us something no let, let's go with something that is new to us so it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's released in 2021 it's just something that you discovered and thought wow so it could be wow this is new and this is amazing or wow why didn't i know about this sooner fair enough in my case then it will be the seventh heaven pro reverb plugin and uh, this has easily become my go-to algorithmic uh, reverb um, more so than anything else. When it comes to uh, traditional convolution reverbs, I've always used Spaces too, and there's so much included in that, uh, really a reverb library, that I never felt like I needed anything else with respect to having a, a natural reverb sound. So for most orchestral uses, that's all I need. Uh, but I've, I've always been looking for an algorithmic reverb for when I'm doing something that's a little more contemporary or poppy, or I just want that artificial, larger-than-life sound. And this probably speaks to my lack of reverb foo, but I've always struggled to get a good sound out of most of the popular contenders. I have a couple of the Valhalla ones, uh, I have a couple of others, and I just wanted something that I could plug in that would just sound great right out the bat, or that I could pick one of a couple of presets. And my search went long and hard until I finally stumbled upon the intro edition of Seventh Heaven. Um, what this plugin is, is it's a simulation of a, a Bricasti, um, which is a digital, very, a much loved digital reverb unit. And what's interesting is, although the original unit is obviously by nature algorithmic, this is a convolution, it's, it's using convolution technology to reproduce the digital reverb. And what they do is they kind of finesse the, the convolution so it's not quite as static as you'd think. It's not just like we set the Bricasti to a a preset, we did a convolution sample of it, and here it is. They actually separate out different components of the original reverb unit and treat them independently. And unlike most convolution reverbs, it actually has decay knob for any preset. And normally you mm. think, well, how is that possible? And the answer is 
I don't know. I don't know if they just sampled the thing at every possible decay and give you that option, or they're doing some kind of tweening with algorithmic approximation of some hard-coded parameters. But for whatever reason, you can take a preset and make it go from 0.8 second decay time to like five second decay time, which is again, something you don't typically get on a convolution reverb. But all of this is secondary. I think it sounds amazing. Uh, the basic vanilla presets in the thing just sound good. I don't have to work hard. Uh, just a couple of presets I've picked out that are kind of great for anything that has, you know, drums, guitar, piano, anything in the pop zone. Uh, a lot of synth sounds, I think, would also work very well with that. And if you're doing something orchestral where you want more of a pop aesthetic, you know, like a like a flute solo that's on a pop album rather than on an orchestral soundtrack, this works really well. The interface is gorgeous and very easy to use. And if you get the, the introductory one, the 7th Heaven non-pro, uh, the interface is super, super easy. It's basically just a preset dial. And that, for me, was very appealing. Uh, eventually, I, I grew out of it and went for the, the pro version, which um, has many, many more um, settings. But the settings in that thing are incredible. Um, so I, I do recommend checking this out. They probably have a demo. Um, my guess is, even though the um, the introductory one is is really inexpensively priced, the Pro Edition has all the really best sounds. So I feel like that's how to get the most mileage out of that. I waited for a sale, and that's that's probably the best way to approach this. Anyway, that is uh, by far my new my new beloved as far as uh, algorithmic reverb units go. Wow, cool. I'll have to check that out because um, I I'm generally not really a huge fan of um, convolution reverbs. But it's quite curious that this is actually a convolution reverb that is emulating an algorithmic reverb. <laughs> that sounds very interesting. It's odd, and I would check out the website because they go in on some detail about the technology they use to make the convolution feel more lifelike. And again, I mm. think they, they separately sample different aspects of the original reverb, and they're doing some kind of munging with algorithms to allow the thing to be more flexible. But I mean, it just sounds great. I mean, try the demo. It's, it's kind of self-advertising. Yeah. Cool. Liquid Sonics has been on my list of things to check out after seeing some other people use their stuff and really love it. So really cool to hear. Very cool to hear. How about you, Vince? Okay, um, I guess I'm going to go and talk about some hardware. Um, I did get a bunch of hardware this year. I decided to do some more stuff in the world of analog outboard processing. Probably the one piece that I got to mention is this Neve Master Bus Converter. It's literally an analog to digital converter with a limiting compressor and a couple of transformers in there and a couple of things for dealing with levels. That's really about it. Oh my God, it just sounds good. <laughs> like what the heck? Uh, I, I had no idea that stuff could just sound good after going through this particular thing. Um, Basically, I went over to a friend's house. He had a bunch of stuff that I was interested in when it comes to the whole analog processing, outboard workflow stuff. And I decided to go, okay, what's what's the minimum? Well, you could just send stuff out and then put it back through this limiting converter and see what it sounds like. And just with that, it sounds amazing. I. I I don't know why it is 
and I, and I use this on everything. <laughs> I, I use this on everything these days, even if it's just doing the very minimal stuff. I'm, I'm not engaging transformers. I'm not even hitting the limiter all that hard because it is some quiet ambient stuff, but there's just a little bit of Neve magic that is going on in there that makes stuff sound better. So I, I have a whole analog betterizer sound workflow <laughs> right now. And this is actually one of the big pieces of it. And it's funny wow. that I mentioned this as opposed to something else like, like, okay, I'll just mention the other thing. The, the honorable mention is this SSL fusion processor, which very obviously has things that it's doing, you know, uh, it's got filters, it's got a drive section, it's got high pass and low pass EQ. It's got this high frequency compressor on there and this, and the stereo image stuff. And you can edit all those things and those things help. They're great. It sounds awesome, but it still blows me away how something so simple in terms of its feature set, like this Neve master bus converter, just adds so much to the sound. So that is my choice. Very, very, very jealous. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have to get on a get on a plane right now and, and just come and listen to it because I, I'm so curious. Have you ever done a, a AB comparison where you would literally match the waveforms, uh, maybe using like a match EQ, just to see what the difference is? Like take a, an unprocessed version and compare it to the processed version. Um, I haven't actually done that. Um, I did do some blind testing early on just to make sure I wasn't going crazy, you know, um, have my friend or have someone else just sort of like mess with it, uh, make sure that I'm actually picking it first before I go crazy. I mean, it, it is clearly doing stuff like the waveforms are very different. And especially when you hit the limiter hard. It's nice. Oh, I have actually tried to replicate just the limiter. And I I've never quite been able to do it. Um, there's a really, really nice quality limiting compression happening on this thing. Um, maybe if I have a little more time, I'll try to do some more experimenting and testing with it. Uh, but for now, um, I'm just very happy that it is part of my workflow now. Well, a really neat trick is if you, uh, if you take your, your standard Match EQ plugin and you take the same exact piece of music, you know, in process different ways, and you apply the the way the the spectrograph of one to the other. What your the curve you get shows you the exact differences between the two, uh, represented as an EQ curve. Uh, in as much as that plugin can discern that difference, so it gives you like you can sometimes see the harmonics that are being added because there are these little bumps um, in a in an orderly sequence. So it might be fun to do something like that to see if you can reverse engineer what's going on. Yeah, it would be really interesting. Um... It's been pretty cool. I would say that probably the thing that's really nice about it is especially on more Spartan arrangements that I do, because I do like working with smaller virtual ensembles. So it's a couple of strings, a couple of winds. It's a very light orchestral treatments, not the big epic stuff, not the big synths and ambience and uh, not ambience, uh, big pads and, and, and things like that. Um, there's actually a lot of very nice, subtle stuff happening, uh, with the smaller work that I'm putting through it. Yeah, I, I should try that. I should try putting it through something. Um, I do have, 
uh, assimilator, which is a nice fingerprint EQ. And it's pretty cool to use, but honestly, I haven't used that thing in a couple years now. Yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens. And Alex, uh, how about you? Well, um, my uh, I had I I'd worked it down to two, and one of them is another compressor. So I'm not going to go with that because that would be boring, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, I don't know. You make compressors sound pretty exciting. I got to say. The uh, just just so that you know, it, I guess I can call it an honorable honorable mention. But um, uh, from a company that I'd never known of before this year, which is called Fuse Audio Labs. So I was doing some reading on KVR Audio and people talking about the work of Plugin Alliance. And people were saying that there is one specific developer by the name of Raymond Dratva, a German developer who has done a uh, select few um, plugins for Plugin Alliance and Brainworks. And all of the ones that were on that list of the ones that he's worked on are specific ones from Plugin Alliance that I really like. So I went and did a bit more digging about this developer, Raymond Dratva, and I found that he has his own company. And it's called Fuse Audio Labs. And he on Fuse Audio, it's all him. It's only him. And uh, he has he's got a range of compressors, which are all fantastic. And the one I demoed all of them, and the one, uh, it's an optical compressor called the VCL4, which is, it's a bit like BX Opto, which, yes, no surprises, was actually coded by him, uh, but it has a bit more character and a bit more uh, eccentricity, so that was going to be my um, best new discovery for 2021, but that would be boring, wouldn't it, and too predictable, so I'm going to go with um, uh, Fab Filters Volcano 3. Hmm. Yeah, I think it was just a few months ago that they released an update to their Volcano 2 filter plugin, and it is excellent. The reason that I like it is actually, I mean, you know, a filter plugin has a lot of different applications, and obviously the the obvious ones are, you know, you you, you uh, plug an LFO into it and you you modulate it and you create some cool effects on your synth synths to make nice pads and stuff like that. But actually, the Volcano 3 works very, very well as a character equalizer because all of these filters, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the filters, an EQ is just a, a bunch of filters, but the, the, the cool thing with Volcano is that you can also set not only to run through the different filters in um, series, but also to run in parallel, which creates some really, really interesting uh, kinds of um, sound characters. And on top of that, you're of course familiar with FabFilter's Saturn Saturator. Well, a lot of the technology that went into Saturn is also here in Volcano 3 because every one of these filters can be driven. So you can actually drive the filters, which means that because you can drive them individually per filter, based on a whole bunch, I think there's like nine or 10 different filter models for like, you know, tube and smooth and extreme and classic and vintage, et cetera, et cetera. Each one of them can be driven by a different amount, which which it's fantastic. It's kind of like a, a multi-band saturator, but it's a filter and an EQ all at the same time. So it's it's sort of like the, the best of, what well, aside from the compression, it's like the best of all of fab filter stuff in the one plugin so i got it um i think it was whenever it was released was a few weeks ago i think i got it and it's just been wow this is fantastic i'm i'm really looking forward to exploring that um uh, next year so yeah volcano 3 definitely check it out 
That's very cool. I, I saw um, an online review of it that was fairly brief, but it, it looked like it has a lot of really interesting uh, timbral sculpting capabilities, and that you can automate aspects of it to make your your amber changes feel very dynamic and and alive. Yeah, yeah. it's um definitely very very flexible. Like a lot of Fab, fab Filter stuff, you know, it's just very very flexible and uh, easy to use. So, yeah, an exciting new discovery. So. Up next, now we get into the hairy ones. Um, I'm looking forward to this uh, least used expensive purchase of 2021. <laughs> so it's got to be something that you bought this year. It doesn't necessarily have to be released this year, but something you bought this year and least used expensive purchase. So I'm just going to raise my hand and, and kick this off, and I'm going to go first if it's all right, because uh, I feel extremely bad about this. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, Spitfire's BBC Orchestra. Now you mm. you know that the BBC Orchestra has like three sort of tiers to it. There's like the free tier, which is called Core, I believe, and then there's the what is it Essentials or something, and then there's the middle tier, which is called Core or whatever, and then there's like the top tier, which is called Professional or, or Pro or whatever. Uh, so I got the free one. This is pretty good. I then upgraded in a sale, paid a, quite a lot of money for the um, the middle tier one, and yeah, I don't know. It, I think it's not necessarily the fault of the BBC Orchestra Library from Spitfire at all. I think it would have been any orchestra library. But, you know, I got it thinking, ah, oh, I might like to do some orchestral work at some stage. And then, no, nah, I think I'll just ask Mike instead. <laughs> I hope you've learned your <laughs> lesson. <laughs> That's right. uh, as, as people who've worked with me uh, uh, will know, um generally i i mean my my wheelhouse is synth stuff and uh, whenever i need whenever i have call for any kind of orchestral work for my own project or when people ask me for recommendations or when i'm you know directing audio on something or, or whatever I, I usually just go straight to mike for anything orchestral <laughs> so <laughs> i think i'm going to stick with my my usual orchestral plugin which is the uh, michael gordon shapiro plugin uh, and um, thanks, Spitfire. Yes, and to continue to regret uh, my purchase of the BBC Orchestra Library, it's great. It's just, it's you know, it's 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 an intimidating thing, orchestral instrumentation. Just the, I, I've never been crazy about the sound of that thing. I liked the idea, and I liked having the ability to control the miking. You know, they, they, these libraries give you multiple mics, and it's nice to be able to control the miking for your entire virtual orchestra from one plugin. It just was not crazy about the sound. And speaking mm. as someone who loves Spitfire's older library so much, I was let down that their newer, you know, their latest and greatest was neither of those things. Well, let's uh, let's go with that. It's the sound. It's not uh, it's not my lack of ability with orchestral library or orchestral <laughs> composition. It's the sound. Yes, yes, totally agreed. Thank you, Mike. Well, I meant that sincerely, but yeah. <laughs> so, how about you then, Mike? What's your most your least used expensive purchase of twenty twenty one? Well, the theme of the show is both praising and criticizing the same company in the same breath. So in this case, we have heaped such love on FabFilter. Um, I'm now going to say that the FabFilter Pro-R um, reverb plugin turned out to be a bit of a waste of money for me personally. Ah. Uh, this was part of the aforementioned quest for a go-to algorithmic reverb that ended happily with 7th Heaven Pro. But along the way, I figured, oh, everyone loves this thing, and it seems super flexible, and I, I really like FabFilter, and I love their interface design, and I love their compressor. So even, even um, I jumped on a, a sale opportunity, 
I just found that for me, it requires too much work to get something that sounds good. Whereas for me, right. I can just use Seventh Heaven Pro and an amazing, it sounds amazing right out of the box. So I, I played with it a little bit. I tweaked it. I found a couple of presets that after I modified the, the decay sounded sort of okay, but it didn't sound better than what I was doing already. So sadly, that one has not lived up to its potential where I in particular am concerned. It makes a lot of sense why uh, you haven't really resonated with the uh, Valhalla stuff, actually, then, because a lot of the Valhalla stuff, um, you know, the, the selling point there is just the, the granular control that you have over those algorithms to create different kinds of sounds. And if you're looking for something that you can just slap on there and you know what you're getting and it's going to be great and perfect and you can just move on, then a lot of those, um, I mean, they have a lot of presets, obviously, like probably too many presets. There's so many to go through. But um, uh, yeah, the, the the granular control there is probably uh, something that, um, uh, like the, the Pro R as well, um, if, if that's not really the, the workflow that you're after, then I can see how it wouldn't resonate. I find that when I'm in the thick of battle, meaning writing music under a deadline, I don't want to tweak reverb. Um, beyond the the decay time and the high pass and low pass filters, that that's kind of all I know how to do. And even though the Pro R lets you like independently model the decay time of different parts of the frequency spectrum and like all this crazy stuff, I don't have the time or or mental bandwidth to start sculpting at that level. And I don't know if you guys feel similarly, but one of the effects of my I a deadline is that my ability to make fine discernments on sensory data or perceptual data, such as the sonic difference between two different reverb settings, is compromised. So I can A-B stuff and find like my brain will not tell me which one I like better. So having something that's very simple but sounds great um, for me is worth the trade-off of a lot of customization. And by the way, you can do quite a bit of tweaking with 7th Heaven Pro. I just find that I don't have to, which is for me... I'm always disclaiming, like, I'm a reverb idiot. So people with more sophisticated tastes uh, might have the exact opposite opinion. But that's it. That's how I see these things. I think um, after this recording is over, I'm definitely going to go and check out this Seventh Heaven because it sounds very intriguing. But uh, how about you, Vince? Come on, let's let's air it out. All right. Least used expensive purchase in 2021. Yeah. And, and this is not really a reflection on the quality of this thing because it's actually pretty good. Um, at the beginning of the year, I got Arturia V Collection, which is a collection uh, of all their various synths. And Arturia uh, does a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, if you want a CS80, you want an Oberheim, you know, whatever. You know, you've got all those things there. They're pretty good. The thing is, I've got so many other things that are better. <laughs> um, right. It's like, oh, I mean, I mean, I was trying it out and I was using it a bit at the beginning of the year, but... I'm not going to use the Arturia V piano when I've got all these other piano options that I have, whether it be like a realistic grand piano or electric piano. And they have these options for modeling and, and changing up, making like a piano made out of metal and glass and whatever. Okay, it's cool, it's robust, but it still doesn't sound as good as a lot of the other options that I have, whether it be like a fancy multi-gig contact instrument or even the stuff in my romplers. And then going on to some of the synths, oh. like Oberheim, they have a pretty decent version of an Oberheim synth in there. 
I don't think it's better than, for example, the the BX Oberhausen that you can get on Plugin Alliance, which is fantastic. It's a really great. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, it's a really great sense. The Arturia one is quite good, but it's not as good as that. So I just end up not using this collection. Yeah, I mean, this was just a, a mistake on my part. I saw it. It was a deal. Um, I've had experience with their stuff before. Um, if this was earlier in my career and I didn't have a collection of stuff, it would have been a great purchase. But all the things that it provides, I basically have better versions of that stuff already. So it just is, um, you know, sitting in mothballs right now. Yeah, Archery is a really interesting company. And actually, I've had a recent experience with them, too, because I this last Black Friday, I purchased two new synths, two new synths. My God, two new synths. Uh, not by Yuhi. What, that's because I already own everything by Yuhi. So. <laughs> but um, uh, I got Arteria pre, uh, Pigments, which is sort of like their, their flagship workstation um, uh, kind of do-everything synthesizer. And I also got um, Faceplant by Kilohertz, which mm. is a sort of semi-modular, a little bit like Yuhi Zebra. It's a semi-modular, also do-everything, massive flagship kind of synthesizer. And it's been really interesting comparing the two of those. And I think my own personal conclusion about it is that Arteria, they really excel at design and user experience and workflow and perhaps not so much sound. I mean, that's only my own personal mm. opinion, but like like uh, pigments, it it sounds okay, but it is a whole lot of fun to use. Like it's it's really quick and yeah. fun and intuitive. You look at it, you know, you, you, it's so easy to use compared to something like um, um, Faceplant by Kilohertz. Uh, Faceplant by Kilohertz is the opposite. You know, it it sounds amazing, but it's a bit more kind of um, uh, esoteric uh, in its in the way that you use it. So I think the V collection as well. I've always had my eye on them, but and they they look amazing. I mean, the the, the, yeah. the interface obviously the interface design is is um, you know honoring the designs of the original vintage synthesizers that they're emulating. But the with Arteria stuff, yeah, I think my own personal conclusion is it's about the design and the workflow, less so maybe about the sound, but uh, that's only me, I guess. Well, apparently it's not only you. <laughs> apparently Vince yeah, agrees. I guess that dives with my experience too. So All right, so look, we better, we're kind of running out of time, so yeah, we, we should get on to our... Let's Most go to uh, used cheap purchase in 2021. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, there's been a lot of Spitfire mention. Spitfire makes expensive stuff. They also make cheap stuff. And one of the things that I really like is the Spitfire Originals Cinematic Percussion, which is 29 bucks, and it's great. It sounds great. It's easy to use, and Many times over the course of this year, I just threw it in there and started jamming away and made really nice big percussion ensembles for tracks that needed big and epic percussion. It sounds good. It's easy to use. It's 29 bucks. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I've actually, Mike, have you, do you have much, much experience with Spitfire's free stuff, like their labs stuff? Yeah, I, I like, I've played with some of their labs uh, instruments. I think I've used some of the synths that they put together, just because it's just a case of liking the particular preset that came to mind. Um, I know what their agenda is. They want to get people to come into the store and then eventually buy the expensive stuff, but I think they, they, they're a really worthwhile download. How about, uh, how about you, Mike? Most used cheap purchase in 2021? 
Uh, Soothe 2 by a company whose name I believe is Oak Sound, but who can tell because the vowels are strewn in an unfamiliar way. This is basically something that automatically tries to find uh, harsh resonances in your audio and stops them automatically. And um, it does when you have something that has like a little bit of a nasal tang to it, or there's just something about it that's that's harsh or rough. Uh, I find this plugin is very useful. Um, it can just take the edges off of stuff uh, if used in in judicious moderation. That's I forget how much it is, but it's under a hundred dollars. So I thought it was very very handy, and I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that. Yeah, I've actually heard uh, quite a lot about the the um, soothe. It's not um, that company that that does it. They they've got a number of plugins in that sort of smart smart mixing tool category, haven't they? Uh, I haven't. I'm not really familiar with what else they do. I just noticed this particular one because it was so well reviewed. Hmm. Cool. Well, my most used cheap purchase uh, is kind of a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a sarcastic. No, not sarcastic, but a little bit of an ironic one because it's actually um, SPL Vitalizer from Plugin Alliance. And the reason it's a little bit of a strange choice is the retail cost is $199. But everybody knows our beloved, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the wonderful quirky ways of our beloved uh, Plugin Alliance. You know, if you just wait for maybe a few weeks you'll get a voucher or there'll be some kind of sale every few months where you can get SPL Vitalizer for like, you know, $29 or something because it's it's quite an old plugin in the uh, the Plugin Alliance stable. Um, but this year I've just found myself using this on the master on, on you know, for like the two bus processing again and again and again. And it is such a weird thing. It is so strange. Like, you look at the controls, like they make no sense at all. You can't even figure out what is it. Is it a compressor? Is it an EQ? Is it an enhancer? No idea. It's a vitalizer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, I think that possibly because this year, you know, Vince and I have been working on the soundtrack for Space Folk City, and that is called for a specific sort of early 80s sound. And this plugin just gets it, you know, it just gets that sort of uh, like sheen that, the very very specific sheen that you would get from uh, from music of that era, uh, it just gets it, and uh, yeah, it's cheap. And uh, if you can figure out how to use it, then let me know because I just <laughs> twiddle the knobs until it sounds great, and it sounds great quite often. So there you go. So as a as a note, um, our co-presenter Vince DiMatte had a work meeting, which is a side effect of a podcast run by uh, audio professionals. So that having been said. Even though we're going now on a on a skeleton crew of two thirds, our our normal quorum, uh, Alex, what is our final category in our pseudo awards rundown? Okay, so the final category is OMG. Who cares about the year? This is awesome. Any year gear of twenty twenty one, I would love to see that on the base of a trophy. That would require um, a very kind of a flat trophy rather than the vertical <laughs> up and down kind of uh, modality that most trophies have. Indeed. So uh, what would be your pick for, like, this is, this is just great gear, and I don't care about the year. This is just good. 
Well, I keep going back to Seventh Heaven Pro because that was the one thing this year that just made my life so much easier. And you know, there's a there's a good feeling you get this sort of this endorphin rush when something both works and it's easy and sort of fun to use. And for me, that plugin was it. That's the thing that gives me a little spark of joy every time I use it. And uh, I'm I'm not on Liquid Sonics' payroll at all. I basically never heard of them before I found this plugin, but it's great. So that's the one I walked away with this year. Just kind of happy i discovered how about you i am yeah i'm definitely going to go check that out after this because uh, it sounds really really interesting um for me um a rather unusual choice i suppose or maybe not if you know the the kind of work that i do um it's actually the rx 950 from infonic audio and this is their uh, akai s950 addda converter emulation it's just great. It's like $19. It sounds, I mean, I guess it sounds like a 12-bit ADDA converter. <laughs> but but if you're into like 90s electronic music, 90s techno or early hip hop or things like that, you will know the sound of that. People like to call it crunchy, but it, it's sort of the, the lo-fi sound of 12-bit converters. And um, the RX950 just does it really, really well. And it's fantastic on drums. Fantastic on synths. Uh, you know, you, you push up the. It's very simple. It's just got an input. It's got an audio. It's got a bandwidth selector. You can select the hertz rate. It's got a, a filter which models the original Akai filter, which is a non-resonating filter. Um, but it's just fantastic for giving a sort of a lo-fi character to things that are otherwise, you know, quite artificial sounding. So uh, yeah, the RX nine fifty. From Infonic would be my OMG. Who cares about this year? Who cares about the year? This is awesome. Any year gear of 2021. Thank you very much. Can you <laughs> can you imagine like time traveling back to 1980, finding some electrical engineer working for a a audio DSP company and saying like 21 years from now, some software guys are going to painstakingly model this thing that you've built so that they can make their audio sound worse in a stylistically specific way. Like, can know, you, it's yeah, some, some it's guy crazy. hunched over chips and like soldering iron and everything. And so somebody saying, yeah, the decisions you're making right now, which are probably the result of what's physically possible and the state of the art and how much sleep you had and where you went to college, like all of those decisions on the fly are going to be just painstakingly recreated in software one day. I mean, that it, you just it, imagine it, yeah. what his mindset would be. It's just crazy, isn't it? It's interesting because you remember the early days of this kind of synthesizer technology and something like the Akai S950, 12-bit, it's like, ah, oh, this is, this, it's not the greatest sound, but, you know, it's the technology that we have. And when something like, you know, 16-bit come out, it's like, oh, wow, it sounds like CD quality. That's amazing. And it's, it's just so weirdly ironic, isn't it, that we spin around and start going backwards towards the things that we were just putting in so much technological effort to avoid. Right, exactly. It's the it's the audio equivalent of of pre-stressed jeans where there's a hole in the knee and yeah, you know, exactly. Nobody whose jeans got that way through nature ever wanted that, but now we right. kind of romanticize that look. So yeah. Well, um, this brings us to the end, I suppose. Uh, sadly, without Vince to say goodbye to everybody, but uh, this has been the Game Audio Hour. It's been a fantastic year for us, and we. 
would uh, definitely like to take this opportunity to uh, thank everybody who is uh, tuning in to listen regularly. We are most active on Twitter, which is at uh, Game Audio Hour. So if you'd like to keep up to date on our release schedule, um, please visit us there. And of course, please feel free to um, mention us and leave comments if there are, if you have any thoughts about things that we've discussed or suggestions for things that would be good to, to have as topics or whether you passionately disagree that uh, with some of our choices for gear for 2021. Um, but yeah, as always, it's a, it's a pleasure, Mike and Vince, uh, who is here in spirit. Yes. And uh, yeah, wishing everybody a, a wonderful, restful and pleasant holiday. And we will see you in 2022. See you all next year. We're waving goodbye, even though you can't see us.